This morning we will begin a new series with God's help. And if you have your scriptures, open them to the book of Acts. Acts is a rather lengthy book, so I hope we won't spend too many years here. And... uh, But again, that we would not just be hearers of the word, but we would be doers of the word. There's a lot here for us and that we would glean and put into action what uh, the Holy Spirit has for us as we study this together. I remember in in college, this was uh, one of the most dreaded courses that you could take. Uh, I made a B, and that was the proudest B. Uh, that I ever made. A lot of people didn't pass this course the first time through. It was so difficult. In the final exam that you had to pass, there would be uh, chapter content, and it would just be one word, and you would have to figure out what chapter in Acts this one word was found in. I mean, that's how well you had to know the book of Acts. I'd hate to take that test today. <laughs> I might make 1% or something. But uh, uh, anyway, but it's, it's a marvelous book. Uh, I've never taught through it before, even though I've been through it before. I would encourage everybody here to re- sit down and read it this week all the way through just to get an overview of the whole book. It takes about two and a half hours to read it, so you may not want to do it at one sitting. But it takes about as long as it takes to watch a movie. If that's convicting to you, I don't know. But uh, the next time you're watching a movie, think, I could be reading the book of Acts. It's better than a movie. Because it's a real life. It's a real life movie, exactly. But anyway, uh, we want to give a stab at this as we study this together. So let's begin by reading the first 11 verses of chapter 1, although I will not get in, I'm going to do more of an introduction this morning and talk about the author and so forth. But I want to read it just to uh, begin in that manner. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach unto the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during the forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his authority, but you shall receive power 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. And may God bless our hearing of this portion of his word. Acts is a, a unique book in that it's the history of the early church. And the only uh, thing like that that we have, so it's unique. The author is Luke. Lucas, if you, uh, Lucas in the Greek. Uh, you may watch the, the rifleman. They call him Lucas. The sheriff does. But anyway, I don't know why I said that. But it just <laughs> but anyway, it's Lucas in the Greek. And so uh, Luke was a Gentile. In Colossians 4.11, we find that he is not included in the list of the circumcised Jews. And so uh, obviously, though, when you uh, read Luke, he was a well-studied student of the Old Testament. And uh, you can tell that from his from his vocabulary that he used. Uh, it was a lot of classical Greek, which came before the Koine Greek, the common Greek of the day. And so he wrote using uh, those particular uh, words, some of them even uh, medical terms as well. So he was a well-studied student. And it's interesting, I think, that God uses a Gentile to record the historical narrative of, uh, of Jesus in the book of Luke and also now in what is to uh, uh, be what Jesus continues to do. And yet he uses a Gentile uh, to do that and uh, bringing uh, Gentiles unto himself. Now, we find as we went through the book of, of Romans that... Uh, the Gentiles are invited in with the rejection by the Jews. In Romans 11, 11 through 12, again I asked, did they stumble, that is the Jews, so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all, Paul says. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But if their transgression means riches for the world, and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will be their full in inclusion brain? And so uh, the Jews have not been forgotten, but right now the Gentiles, us, are included. And uh, the book of Acts tells about that. And so uh, praise God that uh, we were not left out. And uh, also it's interesting that Luke, writing the book of, of Luke and writing the book of Acts, writes more words 
Now, I didn't say in more important words, but more words than all of the Pauline epistles combined. Just an interesting fact, and yet he was a Gentile. Luke was a shining example that God welcomed all Gentile comers. He was an example that God was going to the, to the Gentiles. Matter of fact, even the Samaritans, as we find in Acts 1.8. And so God has mercy on us, and be thankful for that. Also, his occupation, we find, is a physician. He is a, a layman, if you will. He's not an apostle, a layman, a doctor, a medical doctor. Now, I'm sure he did not have the medical knowledge that modern doctors have, but for his day and time, they had made advances, and so he was a quite learned, a quite learned individual. And, uh, but it shows us that God can use us if we're a layman. You're a layman. God can use you in mighty ways. He used Luke in mighty ways. And so never think and never tell yourself, I'm just a layman. I'm just a church member. No. You're a child of God. You're the, a ch he can use you to do wonderful things, even greater than you can ever imagine or think. So don't have that attitude. And, uh, but he does write a, a more lofty uh, uh, way, has a loftier way of, of saying things than, uh, than, say, Peter did. Peter was a fisherman. And in the Greek, you can tell it's fisherman language. And, uh, but God uses us where we are and who we are. And don't think just because I'm not educated, I can't be you. Peter was used, and he was a fisherman. So don't ever use that as an excuse. I hadn't been to seminary. That's probably good, you know. <laughs> and well, I won't go there. But uh, he was, Luke was also a companion of Paul. And uh, we find in other places, Luke is mentioned. In Colossians 4.14, he says, Our dear friend Luke, the doctor. And Debus send greetings. Also, uh, just to name one, 2 Timothy 4.11, only Luke, Paul says, is with me. Only Luke. So he was faithful. He was faithful to the apostle. They probably met at Tarsus, although that's silent. We don't know because there was a medical, medical school at Tarsus, a school of higher learning. So that may have been where they met. Church tradition says that Luke died at the uh, ripe old age of 84, full of the Holy Spirit. That's tradition, but I, that's no reason to uh, not hold to that. But nonetheless, he was greatly used. This book is written to Theophilus, means lover of God. Here at Theophilus, you have Theos, God, and, and phileo, love, so you put together together the two words together, and you end up with Theophilus, a lover of God. And uh, Luke, the, uh, the Gospel of Luke, says this, With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, uh, I too decided to write an early account for you, most excellent Theophilus. 
So we can assume that Luke also wrote uh, uh, Acts here. He says, oh, uh, the former account I made, O Theophilus, that is the Gospel of Luke, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. And so uh, he really, gets, and there are other things as well, but I'm not going to go there. So Luke is the author. The title historically is called The Acts of the Apostle by the Early Church. And uh there is no title in the Greek for it, but uh, it was historically called that by the early church. And, uh, of course, this describes in two parts the mainly the historic, uh, heroic acts of Peter and also the heroic acts of Paul. Verses 1 through 12 dealing with Peter, uh, chapters 13 through 28, of course, dealing with Paul. But I think Luke gives us uh, his title in uh, verse 1. Luke says, The gospel of Luke was about what Jesus began to do and teach. That was the gospel of Luke. And so now we come to the book of Acts, and he takes up where that left off. And so we're going to see really what took place, what Jesus did through the apostles and others, not being physically present on earth, but who did he send to be in his place? His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And we'll, we'll look at some verses uh, concerning that. Uh, and so these apostles were empowered uh, to go out in Jesus' name and do mighty things and powerful things. But you shall receive power, Jesus said this, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And this is His Holy His Holy Spirit. And uh, this is not, of course, the first time the Holy Spirit we find in, in, uh, in Scripture. The Holy Spirit uh, is throughout the entire Bible, but... In the New Testament, we see a greater empowering of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are others that may disagree with me, but that's the way I see it. Salvation has always been by grace through faith, and that faith uh, is not something you can conjure up. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so, who reveals that to you? The Spirit of God does. And we find this in John 3. It said, Jesus replied to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And he goes on, he says, How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus said, Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God, no one, unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. You must be born of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. And so you must be born again by the Spirit of God. And, uh, but now we come uh, to a time 
when the Spirit of God, Christ, comes back in the power of the Holy Spirit and, uh, and works mightily in the church. <clears throat> and I think Peter, I think Peter understood this uh, when he said that, uh, that his spirit would be poured out on the church. Uh, there, are other, there, are, there are many passages we could look at. In Romans 8, in, in chapter 8, verse 9, it says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of... Oh, Spirit of God lives in you. If you don't have the Spirit of... Oh, so Christ is God. Right? So Christ in you, the hope of glory. His spirit is in us. Christ in us. And so uh, this was a greater empowering than had been before. And in uh, verse 10 of Romans chapter 8 talks about Christ in you. Christ in you. Remember Jesus said in, in Matthew 28... 2820, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He ascended into heaven. Was he lying? I surely am with you always? What did he mean by that? In you. His spirit was going to come and indwell them mightily, powerfully. His spirit is in you. And you can do powerful things through Christ who strengthens you. As you yield to him. As you yield to him. And so we say uh, that all of this book of Acts is really about Christ. Have I said that before? It's all about Christ. John uh, 15, 26, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you, for, this is Jesus speaking, when the uh, advocate, Holy Spirit comes, who, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, what did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Who goes out from the Father, he will testify about himself. Is that what he says? No. He will testify about me. It's all about Christ. And so we see an emphasis today on the Holy Spirit. He is the third person of the Trinity, but the Holy Spirit always points men and women to Christ. Points men and women and children to Christ. It's about Him. He will bear witness of Christ. Colossians 1.27 To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Christ in you. Among the Gentiles. That's us. The glorious riches of the mystery. Christ in you. Wow. Wow. 
That's something to shout about, to get happy about, to be excited about. Christ is in me. Christ is in me. That should make me think about how I live my life. Somebody says, well, God doesn't see. Oh, Christ is in you and he doesn't see? Hmm. Think about that. No, he, he sees and knows everything. He know, knows the thoughts and intents of your heart. So what would be a good title? The Puritans, one Puritan writer said, defined it this way, instead of the Acts of the Apostles, it's really, he says, the continuing words and deeds of Jesus by his Spirit through his Apostles. I like that. It's the continuing words and deeds of Jesus by his spirit through his apostles. And uh, two sections, chapters 1 through 12, is mainly the evangelization of the Jews. And, uh, and this was done predominantly through Peter. Peter was the apostle to the uh, circumcised, where the apostle... Uh, Paul was to the uncircumcised or the Gentiles. Galatians 2, we went through the book of Galatians. He says, Paul does, on the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, the Gentiles, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who is at work in Peter as an apostle, to the circumcised or the Jews, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. There it is. I mean, it's pretty, pretty obvious, is it not? And so thousands, thousands were converted on the day of Pentecost uh, through Peter and uh, a testimony to God's saving grace. And in chapter 13 through 28, we find the evangelism of the Gentiles by Paul, called the apostle of the Gentiles. But it's interesting that Paul, every place he would go, where would he enter first? The synagogue. So he had a heart, did he not, for his own people, for the Jews. Matter of fact, didn't he not say, if it were possible, I would be accursed that they could all be saved? Wow, what a heart this man had. And he meant it too. Now, he couldn't do that, but he really meant that. And, uh, and so this gospel in Acts chapter 1 in verse 8, this gospel starts in Jerusalem and expands to all of the known world of that day, pointing men or mankind to Christ, pointing them to Christ. They shall be witnesses of me, Jesus said. And uh, so don't forget that. Now, secondly... Why is the book so significant? Why is it so significant? Well, I think it serves as the history uh, book of the early church. I've already talked about that. And uh, the apostolic days of the early church. Also, it demonstrates the transition from the old covenant to the new covenant. There's a transition that takes place from an old way of thinking to a new way of thinking. From types and shadows to spiritual reality. Christ is here. 
No more types and shadows. He is here. Uh, from an old physical temple in Jerusalem to a new spiritual temple. And who is that? Us. Believers. 1 Corinthians 3.16. I didn't put this up. I forgot. But it says, Know you not that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. Wow. I mean, this is, that's, that's something to really ponder and to really take to heart. Christ in us. We're now the temple of God where the Spirit of God dwells, no longer in the physical temple, but in us. Amen. Whoa, how glorious is that? Something to get excited about. So we are now what? Living sacrifices. No more physical sacrifices. No more lambs, goats, and all that. What? I urge you, brothers, Romans 12, 1, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Why? Your temples. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. What a privilege. What a privilege we have this day and time just to be grafted in, adopted uh, as children of God. And uh, from old dietary rules to, to now when all things have been made clean. You can eat bugs now. I mean, they're not unclean. I've eaten some. Some bugs aren't too bad if you put chocolate on them. Making everybody hungry. Chocolate-covered ants really are not bad. I, 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 I'm serious when I say that. But uh, anyway, uh, shrimp, crabs, ooh, all of these things we can eat. I would say this is a, a, a better covenant, would you not? And then Gentiles are included now apart from circumcision. Acts chapter 10, this is getting a little ahead, but it's apart from circumcision. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished. The Jews who came with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. And they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked Peter to, you know, and it goes on there. But uh, anyway, so no more circumcision. Circumcision was very painful. And if you were a proselyte, if you were a Gentile who came in You had to be circumcised if you were a male. No longer do you have to be circumcised. Praise God. It's a better, it's a better covenant. Uh, you did not have to become a Jew as such. Uh, keeping all their rituals and the mosaic rules and all that. That was gone. Thank God. Also, Acts is the bridge between the Gospels and the Epistles. 
It's a bridge between the Gospels and the Epistles. Imagine going from John 21 to Romans chapter 1. Who is Paul? Who is this guy, Paul, you might say? Uh, what is this church deal? Members of the church? What is the church? And when did the power of the Holy Spirit come? See, we need Acts to help understand the epistles. Acts records how Jesus' promises also were kept. And I will be with you always. And we can see that in the book of Acts. Acts also corrects our idealism about Christianity. You know, some people today want to go back and be like the early church because it was an idealistic church. Well, when you read the book of Acts, you find out it was not. Uh, it was not the church it should be. There were a lot of false doctrines. Uh, there was heresy. There, there were those who, as we saw in the book of Galatians, that said you had to be circumcised. In Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira fall dead. You know, you've got to take the good with the bad, by the way. You know, everybody wants the good, all the blessings and all, but nobody wants to lie to the Holy Spirit and drop dead right on the spot. I, had, I heard one man preach a sermon. He said, when I see that happen, I, you can talk to me about these other miracles and signs. <laughs> and uh, I thought that was an interesting point, but uh, it, was a, it was a difficult time. Also, Acts traces the growth of the church from Jerusalem to the known world. In Acts 16, you can probably find yourself uh, as it penetrated into Europe. Acts shows how Jesus kept his promise to build his church and to be with his church, how that is brought out. Acts illustrates how Christ builds his church. And uh, one thing that... Uh, uh, dominates, I think, the book of Acts that we're going to look at is the, the spread of the gospel and how was that done mainly? By the preaching of the gospel, by the preaching of the cross. 30% of the book of Acts are sermons. Interesting. And uh, Peter, Stephen, Philip, Paul, and so forth. Uh, some say we ought to focus on the signs and the wonders in the book of Acts. But you know what? Signs and wonders are given many times as a stage to set for the preaching of the gospel and pointing men to Christ. Imagine in this church if all of a sudden we could lay hands on everybody that came in here and they'd be healed. People in wheelchairs just... Everybody. Why would people be coming to church? To be healed. That's not the healing you need. See, the emphasis is on your soul, not on your body. The body is going to die. No matter how many times you get it, it's going to eventually die. But your soul will live forever. And so, people don't like to hear they need to repent. They don't like to hear uh, that their life needs to revolve around Christ, that he is their Lord, their Savior. They want all the goodies. 
And uh, it's sad today that uh, uh, the church has forgotten the preaching of the gospel where it is. Uh, how should we study this book? First of all, with caution, uh, discernment, openness to, to be rebuked, to be challenged, to be changed. I've got, I, even though I've taken this course in, in college, there's still more I can learn from this book. And pray that your mind would be open to learning. How does this book apply to us today? Should I expect everything that happened then in the church to happen in my own personal experience? Should it be thought of as just a one-time event or an ongoing event? See, these are things that we have to ask ourselves. Are we missing out on something they had because of our own blindness and stubbornness? Are all the signs and wonders of that uh, day just for that day or are they for us today? These are questions we want to look at. We can fall in two ditches, I think. One is that everything that happened in the book of the Acts is for us today. That's one a ditch you can fall in. Everything. The other ditch you can fall into is saying nothing in the book of Acts is for us today. There are two extremes. But let me ask, and we need to ask ourselves, is it confirmed in the epistles? Is it confirmed in the epistles? Do we find what happened in Acts confirmed in the epistles that come later on and so forth? Something we need to, we need to look at. One thing I want us to do, though, as we go through this book, and I want you to, to do this as you read this book and will be done, is to remember Christ is to be the focus. Acts 4.12 is, a, is, a, is, is the verse of verses in the book of Acts, if it wasn't for uh, verse 8 of chapter 1. And that says, Neither is there salvation in, in any other name, but the name of Jesus. Neither is there salvation in any other. There's none other name given among men whereby you must be saved, and that's Jesus. And the whole book of Acts wants us to see Jesus. I want you to see Jesus as we go through. I'm not worried about all the trivial, you know, da 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 and, and knowing on Paul's first missionary journey, he went here and memorizing all of that. And I've done all that. There's no power in knowing all that. I've forgotten it, for one thing. But I want the book of Acts and what happened, happened to us. I want us to be changed through the power of the Holy Spirit and to be open to his spirit working in us to change us. Remember what he says in verse 11. Ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? 
this same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven is going to so come in like manner. It's about Jesus. See, it's about Christ. It's about Him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for your great salvation in Christ and Christ alone. There's no salvation in any other except in Christ. And, uh, oh, Lord, uh, may we trust him and him alone. Uh, May we come to the cross where our sins are forgiven, trusting in his shed blood alone that cleanses us from all of our sin. God, give us grace to do that as we live the Christian life. In Jesus' name, amen.